Welcome back to our study of eschatology. This is eschatology session number eight. And in this session, we are going to begin talking about the final state or the eternal state. You may recall that we talked in a previous week about the intermediate state, right? The intermediate state describes what happens to the souls of believers and unbelievers who die before the return of Christ. And so we've already talked about the intermediate state. The final state describes what's going to happen to believers and unbelievers after the return of Christ and after the final judgment. And so this is um, what the Bible says about where we are going to be for eternity and what we are going to experience for eternity, whether we're talking about believers or unbelievers. Today we'll be talking about uh, what the Bible says about the eternal state of unbelievers, those who die in unbelief, those who die without repenting and trusting in Christ. And so we're going to talk about what the Bible says about hell. Now this is a difficult uh, topic. It's a difficult subject. Um, it is one that uh, often brings anguish uh, to believers as we think about it because we know people who um, we don't want to end up in hell. Um, we, we love them. We care for them. We want them to belong to Jesus. And um, maybe they don't right now as far as we can tell. Or um, maybe they, they passed away already without us um, knowing or having any solid evidence that they belong to Jesus. And so we, we're concerned, we're, we're, we, we wonder, we don't know. Um, and that's a, that's a, that is a weighty, difficult, um, painful thing to contemplate. Um, and so as we talk about the doctrine of hell, as we look at what the Bible says about the doctrine of hell, um, know that it's okay if that is um, a hard thing to contemplate, a hard thing to think about. I mean, the Bible tells us to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. Um, the Bible tells us that Paul was in anguish and had unceasing sorrow over his kinsmen, the Jews who had rejected the Messiah. He wanted, if it were possible, to be cut off himself. He said, I, I could wish, you know, to be cut off from Christ for the sake of my kinsmen according to the flesh in Romans chapter 9. So um, he, he wanted to do whatever he could, even if it meant his own um, suffering for his kinsmen to be saved. And so if you struggle with um, the idea of someone that you know um, possibly ending up in hell, that, that in one sense, that's a good thing. It should bother us. We shouldn't want that to happen. And that's um, one of the reasons why we want to get the gospel to people, why Paul wanted to get the gospel to people. We don't want anybody to perish without Christ. We don't want anybody to end up in hell. We want people to repent and to trust in Jesus and to be saved and rescued from their sin, forgiven of their sin, uh, delivered from the wrath of God so that they can spend eternity in the presence of God in the new creation and not in hell. Uh, that's what we want. But hell is a reality and we need to understand what the Bible says about it. And so we're going to talk about that uh, today. So our key text, we'll look at several texts, but our key text is from the book of Revelation in chapter 20. And um, in Revelation chapter 20, it talks about 
the final judgment, right? And it talks about uh, hell. And the way it describes it here is it calls it the the lake of um, lake of fire uh, that burns with sulfur. It talks about it as the second death. And so he, here's what Revelation says about it, beginning in verse 10 of chapter 20. It says, the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then it says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So um, those whose names are not written in the book of life are unbelievers, those who don't belong to Christ, haven't trusted Christ. And John says that anyone's, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And he describes this lake of fire as the second death. Um, and he says, he said earlier that that's where Satan would be thrown and it's where the beast and the false prophet had already been thrown. And he said that they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So, um, according to this passage, right, hell is real. Uh, even though it's not using the word hell, we use the word hell to describe what John is talking about here. Um, this is an eternal state. Uh, it says day and night forever and ever. Uh, it is a place of torment, of suffering, right? They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Uh, if it's called the second death and yet it lasts forever, I mean, what is a death that lasts forever? That is suffering, that is uh, torment, that is pain. Um, and so um, it is clear from the Bible that hell is a place of eternal conscious torment. Now, each of those words is significant, right? Hell is real, right? It is not merely an idea. It's not merely a state of consciousness. Those who experience it, experience it eternally. That is continuously into a never ending future. It never ends, nor does the experience of it for those who are there. Those in hell are conscious they are there. Right? They are suffering while they are there. It is not, contrary to how it's been popularly portrayed, hell is not a place where the devil and sinners have an unending party. It's not a place where the devil reigns as king and gets to do whatever he pleases. It is a place where he is thrown and it is a place of suffering. All right, so um, let's talk first about the fact that hell is forever. Some people um, believe that uh, after unbelievers die, they are simply annihilated. They, they simply cease to exist. Um, that would be a mercy, right, compared to what the Bible says about hell. But the Bible doesn't teach that um, believers are, or excuse me, unbelievers are annihilated after they die. Instead, it teaches 
that uh, they go to a place where they remain forever. All right, so uh, in Matthew 26, 24, this is a verse we may not often think about in relation to hell, but I remember um, a faithful pastor who I uh, highly respect mentioning this verse, and it says, The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. This is right before the cross. This is Jesus talking about Judas. Woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And this pastor asked this question. Is being annihilated after you die, no matter what you did during your life, if you're annihilated after you die, how is that worse than having never been born. It's, it's not. In order for Jesus' statement to make sense, it would have been better for him never to have been born, right? Then he must continue to exist in a terrible state, right? A, a place of, of suffering. And that's, that's what's going to happen, right? Um, Daniel 12, 2 in the Old Testament. We talk about this in relation to the resurrection, but it also talks about uh, what's going to happen to um, unbelievers. Daniel 12, 2 says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So there's going to be a general resurrection. We talked about this before. Resurrection of believers and unbelievers, but they have different destinations after their resurrection. Believers are resurrected to everlasting life. Unbelievers to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, if you want to say it's not actually everlasting contempt, then you're also going to have to say it's not actually everlasting life because it's the same word, right? Um, so uh, th those are parallel, right? Eternal life and eternal uh, contempt or everlasting life and everlasting contempt. You can't accept one and throw out the other. Right? Um, Isaiah seems to be hinting at this same thing. It, you know, in, in the Old Testament, um, we don't get as clear of a picture about what is going to happen at the end as we get in the New Testament. But from what we know in the New Testament, we can see where these Old Testament passages are heading. Isaiah 66, 22, 24 says, For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me. So now we know what we're talking about. This is final state, new heavens, new earth. Shall remain before me, says the Lord. So shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who had rebelled against me. For their worms shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. So again, that talks about an ongoing state um, that is horrible, right? That is um, awful. Uh, and it, it's, it exists in part as a warning, right? As an incentive not to rebel against the Lord. Um, Jesus himself said in Matthew 25, 41, this is the parable of the sheep and the goats at the final judgment. The uh, sheep will be placed on his right hand and the goats on his left. And Jesus says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. 
So that's the same thing that John was describing in Revelation 20. This is the fire, the eternal fire that was prepared for Satan and his angels. That's where the devil was thrown in Revelation 20. But that's also where the goats, the unbelievers, right? That's also where they will go. Those who remain under God's curse because they didn't repent and trust Jesus and follow him. Um, they will go into that eternal fire. A few verses later in Matthew 25, 46, it says, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. There we have the same situation we had in Daniel 12. You cannot affirm eternal life in that verse without also affirming eternal punishment. It's the same word. Right? It's the, um, so hell is an eternal punishment and involves eternal punishment just like heaven involves eternal life. Right? So we can't deny one without undermining the other. And if we're going to take the Bible seriously, right, then we have to acknowledge that this is an eternal state. Uh, Jesus warns us about the seriousness of hell with serious language. In Matthew 5.30, he says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Now, Jesus is not actually advocating. He's not literally advocating that you cut off your hand. One of the reasons why we know that is because Jesus teaches that sin comes from the heart. So if you're a thief and you cut off your hand, you haven't really changed who you are. You haven't changed the root of your sin. You'll find another way to steal. The point is not to literally dismember yourself. The point is to do whatever it takes to fight against sin because if you don't, sin leads to hell. And hell is so terrible, you'd be better off cutting off your hand in order to escape it than to enter it with your whole body intact. Right? Uh, Matthew 18, 8 and 9 says, If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. Right? So there again, Jesus emphasizing this is an eternal state right? and the seriousness of it. The, the, um, uh, how willing we ought to be to sacrifice even painfully in this life in order to avoid going there. Jesus does not want us to go there, right? He does not want people to go there. He's warning us and telling us how to avoid going there. 2 Thessalonians, one more passage. 2 Thessalonians 1, uh, beginning in the middle of verse 7, says um, that uh, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, since this is the return of Christ, Inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And so they will be cut off from the Lord. They will experience eternal destruction. They will suffer punishment at the return of Christ, after the return of Christ. So again, we don't want this for people. All right, we want people to be saved. We want people to be changed. We want them to be transformed. We want them to meet Jesus and have their sins forgiven and begin to follow him and to turn from their sin and to um, walk in holiness. Imperfectly, of course. No Christian is perfect. None of us are um, 
are completely uh, cut off from sin, right? But we are fighting against sin. We confess our sin. Um, and we know that when we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So uh, this is, again, this is what uh, fuels missions and evangelism. We want people to go to heaven and not to go to hell. But that doesn't mean that we um, can deny the reality of hell. Um, as uncomfortable as it is, as painful as it is, um, as terrible of a place as it is, uh, we can't deny that it exists, uh, but we can pray uh, that people won't go there because instead they'll believe and be and be saved. That you know, if, if there's somebody we're worried about, pray for them, share the gospel with them, um, ask the Lord to save them. Right. Um, so next time we'll talk about the new heavens and the new earth. I can't wait to talk about this. It's one of my favorite things in the whole Bible to talk about. I know preachers say that a lot, but this is one of my favorites. I'm really looking forward to talking with you about the new heavens and the new earth. It is going to be glorious. What the Bible tells about tells us about the new heavens and the new earth is wonderful and life-giving and hope-giving um, and uh, helps us look forward to the day of Christ's return. And so I'm looking forward to talking about that with you next time. In the meantime, God bless.